0: Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss hosted by Emily Thompson. Being boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoy listening in as Emily, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discussed very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to being boss wherever you get your podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I am so thrilled for today's episode uh, to introduce you to one of the most phenomenal leaders in Orlando, uh, Kay Rollins. And Kay is the founder of Orlando City Soccer and Orlando Pride. So they are, you know, two incredible soccer teams. And Kay is from England and she founded this club here in Orlando and it has grown to be just the most tremendous sports team and such a community threshold for for Orlando. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today, learn from her story of how she founded a sports team, and how she got to the 2% Club, and all the incredible things that she's doing for female founders across the US and beyond. So welcome to the show, Kay. I'm so thrilled to have you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. No, I'm
0: so pumped right before I was just talking to Kay about the premise of this podcast and why we exist. And, um, you know, last year I learned about the statistic that less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. And as a female founder that had crossed this threshold, I didn't realize how big of a a feat that was. It's never something that I thought it was definitely a goal that, you know, I always had, but I didn't realize that the statistic was so small for women to succeed, and why is it that less than two percent ever make it? And the ones that do, how can we actually elevate those stories and learn from not only their like their mistakes, what they learned along the way, and really take tactical feedback so that we can bring more women to to this next level? And so, hey, what are your thoughts around that? Isn't that just incredibly shocking?
1: It really is. It really is, and obviously, especially um, in the industry that I'm in, which is um, you know the sports industry. Um, there's definitely few and far between, um, of, of women, certainly in the, in the higher positions, um, and certainly in the ownership piece too. Um, I think there's only myself and Mia Ham, um, who have any kind of ownership in major league soccer. So, yeah, much more to be done on that front for sure. <laughs> No, it really is. It feels
0: like when you kind of break down by not only overall if the statistics are so small, and then you break down by industry types, and then there obviously there are very, very male dominated industry types, sports obviously being one of them. Uh, but even when you break down in finance and in technology, you see the gap is even wider.
1: Right. Yeah, I know. And it's it's a difficult one. Um and I think it's one um, certainly, and, and I'll give major league soccer some props here because, um, every year there is a study done at UCF, a race and gender scorecard. Um, and they actually look at all of the major sports leagues, including, you know, NFL, MLB, and they grade, um, the whole league on their, their race and gender hiring practices, um, and it's it's always such an obviously a really interesting read and they they start with ownership um all the way down through um you know who's how many CEOs there are how many of them are people of color uh, there's none of them at the moment that are women <laughs> um there's quite a lot of female VPs and the league office itself scores pretty highly um and i think that tells me that they've taken this very seriously and so when they are looking who they're going to hire they're being very purposeful um, about looking for more women about looking for more people of color and with the idea then that that trickles down to the the clubs as well um, so i'm I'm hopeful that you know things are definitely on the turn there for for us as an industry
0: that's that's fantastic to hear you know and I, I do see that um, there, there's definitely conversation happening across the board and you know conversations one piece of it but actually making the change and putting in um you know structure and infrastructure and making mandates to to fill those seats and to make sure that there is right representation across the board you know and diversity and inclusion from uh, not only from even just from female founders but also from people of color LGBTQ um and yeah you know uh, even for um disabilities, even with people with disabilities. I and mean, there's a huge spectrum of inclusion that needs to happen across the board for many, many industries. But it's awesome that this you feel that Major League Soccer is, is taking the strides in the right direction. Um, and you're probably you're one of the pioneers to do so, right? Because before you, that there's not a lot of female founders that have started a major league soccer team. So let's talk about that. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and um you know how you ended up founding Orlando City Soccer Club.
1: Sure. It's actually quite um apropos in a way because I actually had um a message on LinkedIn. She's a student and she's looking at sports management and she wanted to know um what internships and things I'd done to get to the position I'm in. So <laughs> I mean I've I have replied, but I said to her I have a really unusual background. I I didn't get here in the way that a lot of other people do. Um so just really briefly. Um I actually left school in England at seventeen um I had enough of school i didn't want to do it anymore um and I went to work in a bank and I had ten really happy um years in in the banking industry um It was at a time when you know there was probably seventy and eighty people at each branch so it was it was a very a very sociable time it was very fun um then I left and had my my two children. Um, was lucky enough to be able to stay at home most of that time and was happy to, happy to take a break. But then I answered a call to do one morning a week, um, uh, volunteering in a preschool. Could take my my youngest with me. um, And that turned into the owner of the preschool um, starting to ask me to do more hours and then saying to me, if I pay for you, will you go back? Will you go to college? Um, you know, I think you're the right person to take over when I retire. Um, and you know, and I want to help you. So I finally went to college, age 31. So I think the message for sure there is it's never too late. <laughs> so if you want to pivot, you want to change direction, and you know, there's something you find that speaks to your heart, then go do it. So I went to college at 31. Um I did two, I actually did two degrees pretty much concurrently. I did a early childhood education degree and then a business management degree, which has stood me in such good stead all these years. Um, that was definitely a, a good thing to do. I was also still <laughs> running the preschool, two kids, you know how this is. Um, you know, you're you're definitely someone who who is going through that same kind of thing. So when I look back now, I just wonder where all my energy came from, um, you know, and I look back at all the things I was doing all at the same time. Um, but you just, I don't know, you just get on and do it. So I had the preschool for 10 years. My business partner and I opened a second preschool, which is actually still in existence 20 years later. So we obviously did something, something good and something right there. And then in 2004, I got the opportunity to come to America. It was very exciting, very different, obviously. Um, And it was there that I guess that was first of all where my love of the community came from. Um, I couldn't work or couldn't earn anyway to start with um, because I was waiting on you know a green card and and work permit and everything. So I started volunteering at a couple of preschools um, and then then ending up volunteering for the Center for Child Protection. Um, and I started learning about nonprofits in America, what that looks like, how many of them there are, and how much need was out there. And that was when, um, at the time, my, myself and my, my ex were looking for a project. And it coincided with our soccer team in England looking for an American affiliate. And they asked us to find them somewhere you know a team in America that they could join with and you know do some um you know transatlantic um all kinds of different things that they were they were looking to do, so I guess that was when we started looking at what does soccer look like in America, uh, what's the minor leagues, what's the major leagues, and we couldn't find a team really that we um, we thought would, would work. And that was when we sat down at the kitchen table and said, well, why don't we start a team? And, <laughs> and <laughs> I know it sounds really bright to, to say start- <laughs> it does. It does. It's
0: like, Oh, we're just at the kitchen table. It's like, Oh, we can't find a major league soccer team to go. Yeah, do
1: games with. Yeah.
0: Let's just build one.
1: <laughs> and that is honestly how it started. So we, we started in the minor leagues um United Soccer Leagues (USL) in Austin, but we—I guess you know—and you'll know this: a lot of entrepreneurship is around right place, right time, and that was definitely wrong place, wrong time. Um, and so we we spent three years trying to get this soccer team going, but struggling with local government, um, with actually with University of Texas that is the behemoth that lives in in Austin and, and kind of swamps and swaddles everything else? Um, we were playing in a, a high school football stadium where we couldn't couldn't even sell alcohol. So anyone who's been to a soccer game will know that that's just a no. <laughs> so any <anyway. Yeah.
0: laughs> there's you know, no no way I'm
1: surviving a sports game without alcohol. No, so and so what happened was. Um, we had a couple of other people who were interested in investing and we sat down with them and they said, we think you're the right people and we think you have such a great product. But if we're going to invest, you know, you need to think about being somewhere else. And we went back to USL and and they said, you know, we want you to stick around as well. But um, would you, you know, we've got three or four, t- four potential places where we're looking to put a minor league team, would you consider? And Orlando was one of them, and so that was how we literally ended up coming to Orlando. We flew out for a visit. Um, we obviously did a lot of non-demographics. We looked at—I mean, obviously, Orlando has so many great things going for it, including an amazing airport that everyone can easily fly into. Um, you know, lots of accommodations, a great climate. And, a, and a, obviously a, a very rich and diverse um, population as well. And, you know, you know, the rest of the world plays soccer. I mean, everyone, everyone plays football somewhere in the world. And we we just had a good feeling that finally, you know, soccer was on its way. Um, and I think the different thing we did in orlando that we didn't do in austin was we put it out in the universe right there at the beginning at the uh the very first press conference and we said we're minor league right now but we will be major league in five years somehow somehow that made a difference um in in lots of ways Uh, but it it does change your mindset Um, and of course you know (laughs) the, the long story short is we did it um we started play in 2011 in minor leagues. And um, in 2015, we kicked our first ball in major league soccer in front of 62,500 crazy purple people at the at Camping Stadium. Um, I was there. Yes. Yeah, so, and that was the culmination of, of, of that dream. I mean, it was made even better, obviously, once we were able to open our own stadium. Um, Then we added Orlando Pride. Um, You know, we now have the women's team.
0: We have so much to talk about. I'm going to pause you right here because I don't think that the audience that's listening that might not be from Orlando understands the magnitude of what um, Kay has accomplished here. So. So one, you know, you started you you leave England and you're like on this pursuit to go start a minor league team. You show up to Austin, Texas and it's not working, right? You have you have some fans that are coming but you're not getting the support. And and starting a sports team, I mean, it's so different than just starting a business, right? You're dependent on like what defines success for a soccer team, right? I'm going to I'm going to make some assumptions here, but you got to have the right players, you got to have the right coaches, you got to have the right team. Then you Have to have support, not only like that's vital for any business, right? So you have the right team, players, and coaches, right? So in order for a sports team to be successful, the community has to rally around it. And how does community rally around it, right? So you can't just assume fans will come if it's not being advertised. And I remember um, all all of a sudden I would show up to Fat. I was our office was in downtown and i had this little tiny like 100 square foot office and i had this huge walk there's like no parking downtown so i had this huge walk and every day from my walk over to the, my little tiny office um i would start seeing like magnets pop up like on cars and then all over windows and it was just like um trucks like these like white vans that would show up in parking lots that were covered in purple magnets and it had Orlando city soccer and it had a big signpost that said free take one. Okay. And it was just like the most like interesting marketing campaign I've ever seen. And there were, they were everywhere. And then all of a sudden, like over the next, I don't know, six months driving and commuting on I four, all you saw was magnets on every single car in Orlando. And it was genius And people like, and and I know you guys did a lot of different things to get the city around you, um, but even the creativity of how to get um, just the marketing campaigns and the grassroots approach and showing up at bars and pubs and just swag on swag. And you literally painted the city purple king.
1: (laughs) We did a very grassroots approach. And I think, I think especially um, growing up as a fan. Um, because obviously soccer is huge in, in England. Um you I mean it was constantly putting myself in, in the fans' shoes and thinking, what would I want? Like if I was a fan, you know, what are this what are the kind of things um that I would want? And so we very deliberately kept including the fans in everything that we did. Um, you know, and, and I mean, obviously the magnets, and by the way, I'm gonna give Teresa Tatlonghari who used to be our VP of marketing, absolute props for that because she was the genius behind a lot of our amazing marketing events. And that was one. Um, you know, in in the beginning, we used to call it Magnet Monday. And so the only day that you could get a magnet was on a Monday. And it used to drive people crazy because they wanted them. I mean, you know, you create that, um, you know, that supply chain uh demand and so because you couldn't get one everyone wanted one i mean i've had them stolen off my car dozens and dozens i don't care because i keep a supply in my car and i and if i if i see anybody's car that's got one that looks a bit faded i'll go and add i'll never take it away because some people have you know <laughs> have, have memories and, and things around that that magnet so i don't want to take it but i always put a an extra one there And one of the other ones that obviously sticks in my head was the groundbreaking for the new, um, stadium where it is now, you know, MLS want you to go and do a lunchtime, you know, get a few dignitaries around, give them all a shovel, take a photo, you're done. And we were like, no, that's, that's not what we do. We involved our fans in everything. And so, we got permission to shut down Church Street. We had a big party um, in the street. And then at a particular time, we marched from Church Street down to the new stadium with, you know, the, the drums and the flares and the songs and the flags. We marched down to the uh, the new um, stadium. I think we had Jones High School band there were to greet us. Um, we, and they obviously did do the ceremonial kind of, you know, dig, but then we'd flown in 25 tons of purple sand and everyone that was there could take home a little scoop of it in a, in a, you know, an Orlando city branded, um, jar. I mean, I, I go in people's offices now and I still see them, uh, with their little, their little scoop of sand that they took. And that's what we wanted to build in Orlando was a loyalty that, you know, good times and bad, the supporters will stay with you. And, and I feel that's kind of, you know, what we've done. And, you know, again, a lot of that is our outreach into the community, which is obviously my pillar of the, um, of the, of the franchise itself, of the club itself. I have a real passion for improving the communities that I live in. And we made it kind of front and center of everything that we did. We formed our own foundation um, and we work really closely with with our local community. While the markets may have seen a dip in QTVC
0: funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you had planned. With thousands of in-house crafted integrations for marketing, sales and service, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The sales hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? Piece of cake. The marketing hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in a single place. And service hub Centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers in through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. Stacks Payments is here to help. Our intuitive platform simplifies invoicing, recurring billing, and enables you to take payments in person, online, and even through text messages. Stax is the one stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stax has one flat fee subscription for unlimited credit card processing so you can save money and put more into your pocket. Subscribers to this podcast can save even more by mentioning code CEO20 when they sign up and save an additional 20% on your subscription for the lifetime of your account. Yes, we love supporting women in business. CEO20, stop spending time tracking down customers and getting frustrated with payment tools that will fail you. Automate your business with Stacks Payments today and get your complete payment toolkit. And support another fellow woman-owned business. Learn more at stackspayments.comslash CEO school. Again, that's stackspayments.com slash CEO school and code CEO 20 to save another 20%. But what it goes to show from like the entrepreneurs listening, it really takes a vision, right? Like it takes that vision. And it takes that, um, like you're so, you're so relentless about that vision and you take that vision and you get other people to buy into the vision. And you went so far beyond not just getting the, the city, the, the dignitaries and just everything else, but you really got the people and you got the love of people, right? You're part of a community. Um, and that is what's so incredible that you guys have been able to do. And I think what is so applicable to business. And so every entrepreneur here listening, Really think about that. How can you turn your um, customers into raving fans and loyalists? And honestly, another lesson is swag goes a long way. <laughs> it really does. Being creative goes a long way. And then, um, you know, Kate, I want to talk about the mission centric side of it, because I also think that's part of the huge success that you guys had was um, just all that you do for the community. So let's kind of deep dive into um, you know, how you kind of got started there. And, you know, for entrepreneurs listening, how did you just decide of like what you were going to be passionate about and how you were going to make a difference in the community?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And, and I think for me, um, I mean, I feel like the first couple of years, and we were still in the minor leagues then, but um, I think you feel you get um, hit up on all sides. Everyone comes to you because they, you're a sports team, they always assume that there's bunches of money there, which, <laughs> um, not certainly not back in those days. Um, and you, I, I felt like the first maybe year or so, I, I felt a, li- a little bit like a headless chicken, like running around trying to help everyone, and then realizing that, that that's just not possible. Um, and so I think what what then happened was you know i sat down with with some of my my teammates and said okay we need to figure out what we want to have an impact on what is the what is the thing that that makes sense and what is the thing that we have a passion around and then everything else you know we can not let fall away but um, it it needed some focus so we said well we're a soccer team and soccer players are some of the most fit athletes in the world. um They eat well they you know they do, it's very cardiovascular sport. It's also a very inclusive sport. um you know you can play male female, um you don't have to be you know seven foot tall, you don't have to be three hundred pounds um and that was where we started talking with the u s soccer Foundation. And we learned about these things called safe places to play. And they're basically, um, you know, it's very hard to put a full-sized soccer field into an urban area, but you can put a mini pit. Um, And so that was one of the things we looked at doing. Um, And we built our first one at Jackson Community Centre in Paramore, so really close to the stadium um we they had three tennis courts and we asked if we could have one of them and convert it so we did so we made it into a little purple (laughs) of course it's purple I got to go with the branding Uh, it's a purple mini pitch with a goal at each end we then added free programming so for a lot of these kids in these underserved areas um, playing a team sport or any kind of organized sport is is out of their budget. It's not something they can afford to do. So it was very important to us to remove that barrier as well. So anyone who's in our our programs, the programs are free, the equipment is free, even down to footwear if we've we've obviously had some kids who don't have the right uh, shoes to wear, and that's something else you know we will supply and then there was a nutrition element. And that became the piece that um, we kind of had another aha moment and went back and said, okay, what are we going to do about this? We can't make um, grocery stores open in these food deserts. And for anybody listening, a food desert is a neighborhood where there is very little access to fresh food. So we knew we couldn't just make, you know, Publix turn up and, and build a store. And so that was when we started looking at community gardens. Um, what did that mean? What did that look like? How did we build one? Who looks after them? And so over the last four years, uh, we've built uh, 16, I think, different ones now. We've got eight mini pitches and 16 gardens. And they can be anything from three raised beds. They're like 10 by four. Um, and each family can adopt the bed. They pick what they want to grow in it. Um, they get access to uh, lessons on how to grow, what to grow, when to grow it. Um, and so that's really become our focus. And, and we are very focused. It's about health and wellness. It's about helping kids get fit and well. It's about helping them build um, good habits right from an early age. And then for all of the other nonprofits that are out there in, in Central Florida, we still help. We have a thing on our, our uh, website where you can click and you can ask for a donation for your event, um, you know, for your auction, your silent or your live auction. So we are still able to help those other nonprofits. But for us, we wanted something that was, just made sense for us and also something, again, that our supporters can get involved in. The supporters know that the club cares about our wider community, and that we we work to make our community even better than it already is. And you really have,
0: Kay. I mean, City Soccer has really left a huge impact in our community, and you guys continue to uh, find ways and uh, really show up for all organizations. I mean, I've I've personally um, attended so many events and seen. Um, just the presence that you guys have and all the incredible things that you do. And I've been so fortunate to be able to give my time alongside. It's not just about showing up. And it's something I want to talk about um, as a leader is that a lot of leaders uh, can can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. And um, huge kudos to you and your team that you guys actually walk the walk. Um, I know an organization that you guys support that we were part of last year was um, the um Homelessness Commission and really around helping the homeless get back on their feet and helping them with what's next. So, how do you find time to run an organization? You do so much for the community. You are an incredible mother and yeah. now new grandmother, or sorry, new nona. How do you find time to balance all of this?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's always the, the kind of the big question, isn't it? Um, and I've definitely found as I've gotten older, that, um, I am a lot more choosy, um, about the things that I, I will lend my, my heart and my name to. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously, you know this, especially in the beginning when you're building a business, anyone that asks you to come and speak, um, you know, whatever event it is, you're like, yes, yes, you know, I'll, I'll definitely come. I'll make the time. I'll do it. But I can be choosy now um, about where I will give the most time. You know, to me, it's such a privilege to be in a position now where I have my own platform and I also have the club platform. Um, See what the terrible events of, of the Pulse tragedy, what that has changed into now is we've become the team that other teams, not just MLS, but even outside of that, um, who who come to us to talk to us about how can they support the LGBT community? Uh, Because, you know, it's not supposed to be, it's not a tick in a box. um, You know, and I think, again, for your listeners, people have to believe that the position you've taken on something is truly something that you you believe in and that you feed into every day. And it's not just, you know, on one day in the year, we wave a few pride flags. Okay, there we go. We've done pride. That's not how we work. Um, you know, we work very much in concert with lots of LGBTQ organizations in Orlando. Um, and obviously the game that happened, you know, kind of right after PULSE, will forever go down in history. Um, you know, I don't think there'd ever been a sporting event like it. Um, you know, it was it was unique in in so many ways, including, you know, we had to get special permission from FIFA to do certain things. One was, you know, we came out to all you need is love rather than the FIFA anthem. The players were wearing um the Orlando United t-shirts, which ended up selling half a million dollars worth of t-shirts crazy um
0: I'm in tears right now honestly on the other yep. side and I, I know. it
1: was yeah it, it still it still makes me <laughs> it still makes me tear up um you know we stopped the game in the 49th minute and then obviously we then ended up um 49 rainbow seats in our brand new stadium uh which are which will be there you know in perpetuity as our demonstration that we are an inclusive club and it doesn't matter your background, you know, your sexuality, your, your gender, uh, preference, um, your, even, you know, your political stance, uh, your race, it does not matter. If you come to our game wearing purple, you are part of the club, you're part of the team, you're part of the tribe. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's definitely something that I feel the most proud of. And I I do believe sports can have such a huge influence on society in general. Um, and I love that the club, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just a teeny weeny part of the ownership group. But I'm so proud that they allow us to have a voice and, and use it. Um, I mean, that doesn't really answer the... I know the work life balance piece, but let's just say I have a passion for what I do. And so a lot of the stuff that's outside of club work, I still consider it a passion piece, and it's something i I love doing.
0: I'm like literally in tears when you talk about I remember that game, and oh, um, God. You know, it, it it was so pulse, um obviously, the entire world knows about the tragedy that took place. um but it was in our backyard. Right so I know that every everybody was and the whole the whole world rallied around it. I know you you don't have to give yourself credit as a teeny tiny owner but you are the you're the queen of Orlando. We literally <laughs> call you the Queen of Orlando. And are like the 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 mother of soccer here. Um you know what you've been what you've done and I do believe that sport's changes that and even what you're doing so even after you guys started Um, orlando club something else that we didn't get a chance to talk about was you you started orlando pride which is a female major league team and just the incredible talent that has come from orlando pride and winning um the gold cup for america i mean like just what has come out of your franchises i don't think any soccer sports team has done what what you've been able to do
1: well thank you and yeah it's Definitely a group of um, very strong, powerful women who, again, you know, have found themselves a platform and use it, um, you know, and are quite happy to to speak out um, and, you know, voice their, voice their opinions. So, and I know, you know, you and I are going to get this group together at some point because, <laughs> one, well, because one of my passions always is someone needs to talk to every every athlete and every sports um uh, person about what you're going to do when you retire you know they think they're invincible and they're going to play forever but no you're not and so what will you do when you get into your 30s and you have to think about what you're going to do next um but you know i look back at my own career like say i was 31 when i um finally went to college and i i I owned and ran preschools, but then I pivoted again when I moved to America and and learned a <laughs> whole new career, which was which was obviously um, you know running and and owning uh, a sports franchise, a soccer franchise. So it's never too late to to learn new things, to do new things. Um, you know who knows what's left? I mean, you know, I don't know what what else is going to happen in my life. We'll see. <laughs>
0: No, I love it. I, I definitely want to. Um, this is so, in, so inspiring. Um, but I also want to talk about some of like the, I mean, you do have just, in, you know, your organization has that the core values of being authentic and being, you know, being able to speak your mind and showing up and standing for community. You know that is something that Orlando Pride. They they are they are strong women. They do speak up on incredible topics and take stances. I want to talk about a little bit of the the gap though between male clubs and the female clubs.
1: Yeah, and you know it's for me definitely it's the conundrum of how do you have certainly in America how do you have this incredibly successful national team who've won the World Cup three times who've won Olympic gold you know, who are, you know, at the the top of their game as far as internationally goes. And then, you know, the domestic league, I mean, it's it's doing much, much better now. But this is like the third or fourth iteration where there's been a league, then there hasn't, then there's been a league and then there hasn't. And and sadly, you know, it's it's really difficult. If you look at the stats on um, how little if you try to watch female sports on TV, you really struggle. Um, tennis, um, obviously, when the Olympics are on, you'll see lots of women. Um, but, you know, that's, that's really been it. Um, and so, you know, for a country that does so well internationally with their, with their female team, you know, there's just not the same, unfortunately, the same kind of sponsors. Certainly the TV deals are, are pretty awful. Um, and that makes, in a way, it. it can, if there was more shown on TV, more people would come to games. I know that sounds, um, you know, backwards in a way. But people don't always see the value. They'll say, oh, it's just the women's game. And then they come to a game and they're like, Whoa, these girls are so talented. You know, this was a great game. And so I feel like in a way we're almost back to where we were when we first brought the team to Orlando. But it's it's something we are still uh figuring out and working on and trying, you know, new strategies and new things to try and get more people to come to the games. Because, you know, unfortunately, until that happens, the wage gap piece, which obviously gets the most attention. Uh, but that is going to continue until there's more money in the women's game um you know it's it's upsetting i think one of the good things that did happen the girls highlighting things that should be equal so why would the why would the guys get more per diems when they when they travel why do the guys get more than the girls why do the guys get to fly first class and the girls are in coach why do they stay in this hotel and the guys get this. Why did the girls have to play on, um, you know, on plastic fields and the guys get to play on, you know, beautiful grass. So those things are definitely ones that can be addressed and can be changed. Um, But the wage gap is still going to, it's going to take a little bit more time, sadly.
0: It is, it is just such an interesting, crazy a crazy notion i mean this is uh we literally have like the st- all-star team of the united states here but the fans still show up for the guys team and uh and, and it's true like i don't i don't know like with all time i turned on espn and i saw i saw anything any any female games and i think it has to start there where we have to start getting uh, that quality even on on uh, tv time Uh, to then make it normal for our kids to start watching that TV time of like, and then get excited about the sports and then the parents go. I mean, I've gone to the, uh, Pride games and I think that was like the last thing that I did pre-quarantine, uh, was, was the Orlando Pride Gold Cup game. And it was so much fun. And I brought my daughter because I want to see, um, these incredible all-stars that are winning international uh, like they're winning the Olympics for us and they're in our backyard playing um and they're just they're so talented they're so much more talented than all the guys
1: we have Marta from Brazil who's six times FIFA world player of the year and she's right here in Orlando and it's like how is you know what is wrong with you people like come and see her she is incredible so yeah it's definitely a if anyone has any great ideas, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know how we're going to crack this, but it just, you know, it just kind of goes to show that there's a lot of work to be done, and um, you know, the league is really grateful to have a founder like you that um, has created this culture for. Uh, for your team, obviously the success that you guys have had as a franchise is incredible and congratulations on all the success that you guys have had and um, really just incredible of what you've been able to do for the community. And I think it's just so inspiring for all of us entrepreneurs listening here. You need to dream bigger. I think that was like, that's like the, one of my biggest takeaway from this is that you can have such a huge vision, even without the background or the experience, and just to be so passionate about something, even in, in having resilience through failure. I think that was another a big lesson, and then of course, you know, making your fans your biggest cheerleaders. Uh, so then, that, that they go sell for you, and that that becomes part of what the franchise stands for. Um, and that's a huge lesson for me as an entrepreneur today. And I know many of us listening here that how can we kind of have that same brand love and brand advocacy, uh, so that our customers are driving it for us. And then lastly, one of my biggest takeaways here is really around the power of community and having a mission-centric organization to really make an impact and to go deep and not just to go wide. So, Kay, I really appreciate you being here. I know my audience has absolutely enjoyed this. You know, where can we find you and how can we support you?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, our foundation um, is a great place to start. So that's just OrlandoCityFoundation.org. For me, I'm on I am on Twitter. I'm just K underscore Rollins. I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm a little quieter on Instagram and it's the one account that I try and keep a little more private than all the others. I'm I'm fine on Facebook and I'm fine on Twitter, but I tend to keep Instagram a little bit quieter. I'm on LinkedIn, so yeah, hit me up, say hi. Awesome. Well,
0: I really appreciate it. And I'll go ahead and link everything below as well as to follow Orlando Pride. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Kay. And I hope you enjoy your new baby uh, granddaughter. And um, really, really, really grateful for you spending your time and knowledge and wisdom with all of us
1: here today. Uh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Running a business is
0: hard, managing employees is hard, getting customers in through the door is even harder but getting paid shouldn't have to be. Stax Payments is here to help. Our intuitive platform simplifies invoicing, recurring billing, and enables you to take payments in person, online, and even through text messages. Stax is the one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stax has one flat fee subscription for unlimited credit card processing, so you can save money and put more into your pocket subscribers to this podcast can save even more by mentioning code CEO 20 when they sign up and save an additional 20% on your subscription for the lifetime of your account. Yes. We love supporting women in business CEO 20 stop spending time tracking down customers and getting frustrated with payment tools that will fail you automate your business with stacks payments today and get your complete payment toolkit and support another fellow woman-owned business. Learn more at StacksPayments.com CEO School. Again, that's StacksPayments.com CEO School and code CEO20 to save another 20%. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.